in the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Testing, testing. Everybody hears me okay? What a treat. I am on uh, vacation. I am coming to you from South Florida. I am in Palm Beach right now. I am not in a radio studio. I'm in a, um, I'm actually in a kid's bedroom. I, uh, <laughs> I, I had nice little twin beds. Everything's all neat and made up and tidy. Uh, I'm in an apartment in Palm Beach, Florida. Been here since, when did I get here? Friday. And it's spectacular. The Floridians, oh my gosh, this is, no wonder why New Yorkers are leaving. I haven't seen a, a homeless person. Nobody's gotten into my face. I haven't gotten any dirty looks. We don't even have a subway to screw up, so it's uh, it's paradise. Uh, the weather is great. It is buggier than I remember. A lot of bites. I'm getting a lot of bites. And you know what? By the way, bug spray doesn't work. It's a great big uh, myth. That stuff does not work. I, uh, I mean, I still try it, but it doesn't seem to work. Hi, everybody. Let's see. It is Memorial Day, and that is to be remembered, obviously, those who served on active duty and lost their lives. And on this Memorial Day, I do think of uh, three different guys that I worked with who were in three different plane crashes. Can you imagine that? I mean, 9-11, horrific. Um, Four plane crashes in one day. But think about, apart from that, have you ever heard of, let's say, guys in the office and three different guys die in three different plane crashes? That doesn't happen. But in the military... It happens. It's um, and it even happens outside of war. In the military, we say we train like we fight. Sometimes, believe it or not, the training is harder than actual warfare. Uh, hard to believe, but it it's true. Not always, but sometimes. Anyway, I uh, I think about three, actually four that I served with. Number one, Glenn Blaisdell, really cool guy. I went to flight school with him. He was from Indiana. Uh, we, let's see. Um, well, uh, how do I put this? We chased women together on the weekends. I mean, you know, just go to, uh, what did you do? You went to the Oak Club. Maybe we drove to Atlanta. And, um, and yeah, you tried to, you know, you made friends. And uh, anyway, Glenn lost his life four months after we were winged together. We were winged in December of 1994. Then a few months later, he was flying an F-18 in Jacksonville, Florida. And there was a software glitch. There were so many computers in an F-18. And the plane rolled inverted for no reason. Just turned upside down and uh, crashed. He died. And uh, 26 years old. And whenever I'm having a bad day, I think of these guys, actually. I think of them. And I can't have a bad day. I cannot have a bad day. I also think of Dale Mulkey. Dale was a Harrier pilot, a native of Colorado. And when I got to my first squadron as a newly trained Harrier pilot, well, you get to the squadron and then you find out, wait a second. You may know how to take off and land and do a few other things, but you don't know how to really employ this this aircraft as a weapon, and that's what they teach you how to do in the squadron, how to maximize the the aircraft as a weapon. And Dale Mulkey was an ACTI, Air Combat Tactics Instructor, 
And he's only about four, three or four years older than me, but gosh, you can get so much experience in three or four years. So he knew, I mean, he, he just knew everything about that plane. And he took me literally under his wing, literally under his wing. And we went on a cross country, several cross countries together, which is basically taking the planes and, and flying all over the United States. And what we would do is take off and then go to training ranges. And he taught me low altitude tactics, lat, lat, lat maneuvers. Back then, we could go down to 200 feet, and you would fly fast, and you'd fly hard, and you'd fly attack profiles. And it was just incredibly challenging, exhilarating, sometimes, uh, I don't want to say scary, but uh, you could become a little apprehensive out there. Oh, and I remember he actually, we actually took the flying down to 100 feet. We called it minimum altitude clearance or minimum. If you were being chased by a bad guy, if you got, let's say he had superiority with missiles or whatever, if you got down low enough, you might be able to defeat the missiles and confuse uh, the systems and also confuse the pilot. Might not even see you. It was a retreat maneuver, and he taught me how to do it. 100 feet low altitude. That's really, really low. Um, even lower than they were flying in Top Gun this weekend, by the way. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. So I think of Dale Mulkey, and I also think of Steve Freeman. Oh, Dale, by the way. So what happened? He was 30 years old. I guess when he died, he was about 31 or 32. And he was dropping bombs at night over Southern California in a training range. Live bombs. Mark 82s. Big ones. And one of them, for some reason, exploded while it was still attached to the airplane. Can you imagine that? I think there was, they determined some sort of fusing problem, but uh, the he was doing everything right, and the bomb just exploded. Just exploded. It's supposed to fall off the airplane and hit a target before it explodes, but it blew up, attached to the wing, destroyed the aircraft, destroyed him. And then there's Steve Freeman. Now, Steve's a different case. Steve was, gosh, Steve's a native of Texas. He was a little bit older than me as well. I got to know him at the basic school. Wild man. Incredibly funny. Professional, too. I mean, I say wild man, but within parameters, all right? These guys wouldn't cut corners or anything like that, but he was hilarious. And we actually, we went to Australia together on leave. You could do that in the military. If you got some time off, you know what you can do in the military? You can fly in a Air Force transport plane anywhere in the world because these planes usually have room. And if you're in the military, you can get on one of these planes and go wherever the hell they're going. I went to New Zealand that way. I went to Japan that way. I went to Australia that way. I went to uh, Hawaii. I went to Europe that way. I just all kinds. Whenever you got time off, and I always took the maximum time, by the way. Like once a year, I take 30 days off. That's awesome. Just about once a year. Every two years, 30 days off. And the great thing about it is, you know, when you take a vacation from the military, eh, you know, if you're not missing anything. Like if the if there's a war, they're going to call you up. <laughs> okay? It's not like you're falling behind or, you know, someone's going to take your job or anything like that. So you were, you could really enjoy the vacation. Anyway, we went to flight school together. He was a great pilot. And during one of the, I think it was after T-34, after one train, 
phase of training before the next, we actually went to Australia. And Australia was about as exotic as you could get. And it was such a cool trip, incredibly funny guy. And uh, he went on to fly F-18s, F-18 Deltas, which, by the way, is in the Top Gun movie. And later, after he left the military, he actually was a contractor, a defense contractor, and he, he had a mishap, a crash in an A-4 Skyhawk. I believe it was up in Alaska, Steve Freeman. And then I also think about George Mitchell. Uh, he, by the way, he left behind uh, a wife and kids. Same for Dale. I didn't know, I didn't know his wife. I didn't know his kids. And then there's George Mitchell. Uh, he was a soldier I was embedded with in Iraq. I was a journalist. He was an Army soldier. And he was killed by a direct hit from some sort of missile. I don't think we know exactly what it was, but when I left to go into Baghdad with my photographer and my engineer, um, George was at the TOC, the Tactical Operations Center. You know, we thought we were being dangerous by going into Baghdad, which was dangerous. Had we stayed back, potentially we could have uh, been incinerated as as George was and a number of other uh, soldiers and also a handful of journalists. So crazy things happen in war. We know that ahead of time. We sign up anyway. And I am happy that I had the opportunity. It was, it was an amazing opportunity. But these things do happen. People die in the service of their country rather routinely. And it's important to remember, and I like to think of these guys, um, whenever I'm having a bad day, you know, there are those who have had far worse days. So it's Memorial Day, Memorial Day. All right, who saw the Top Gun movie? I did. I saw it on Saturday night with my dad, just as I did with my dad back in 1986. I was in, what was I, middle school, high school back then, and I saw Top Gun uh, in Westbury, Westbury, Long Island. And it was a, uh, I wasn't that crazy about Top Gun 1, to be honest. It seemed like a great big music video. I was a bit stuck up when it came to cinema, matters of cinema. I thought the music was overdone, but there was stuff I liked. I remember my dad liked it more. I liked this one a bit more than my dad, I think. It was, uh, here's a couple of things, all right? No no spoiler alerts, whatever. Uh, Tom Cruise is only a captain in the Navy. At this point, he should be an admiral or, you know, a CEO of a company, or he should be out of the Navy, but he stays in. He's a captain, and he gets passed over for promotion because he's, you know, he's maverick. He's He plays by his own rules, and that's interesting, but he has a protector. He has somebody who looks out for him, somebody who keeps him in the Navy, and that is Iceman. Iceman becomes an admiral himself, you know, uh, leapfrogs over Tom, and uh, anyway— it was a feel-good movie. I liked it. There were all kinds of problems with the flying, all kinds of problems with I'm, – I'm not – I decided to – what do they say? Suspend disbelief or – I decided to just embrace it and enjoy it and, okay, this is not – this is a movie. It's not the real thing. The one thing I will get into, if you don't mind, that does bother me, and I've already tweeted about this, so it's a bit of a spoiler alert, Okay. It's not a big deal. It concerns the romance situation between Tom Cruise and Jennifer Conley. So Tom goes into the military bar, and Jennifer Conley owns the bar, and she's also bartending. Now, Jennifer Conley is, let's face it, smoking hot. 
And, oh, by the way, age appropriate for Tom, who I think is 59 or 60 now. She's 51. She looks great, and there's obvious chemistry between them, and they've had a, well, they've had something going on in the past. So they kind of are semi-dating or whatever. And then it's time for Tom. He's going off. He's going off for the big mission, all right? So he's going away. I don't want to give too much away. He's obviously, he's shipping out. And for some reason, he puts on his dress blues. Remember that in Officer and a Gentleman? Um, Richard Gere, at the end of the movie, puts on his dress blues. Well, this isn't the end of the movie in Top Gun, but he puts on his dress blues, and he goes to the bar, and it's supposed to be a big moment, and like, okay, what's going on? He's talking to her, like, and we can't hear what they're saying. Okay, he must be proposing, right? Well, the next thing that happens is she just puts his arm around, his, her arms around him, and they make out for a little bit. And you can see her finger. There's no ring on the finger. And then, then he's off 10 seconds later flying again. I, I just, it's kind of perfect for this day and age, you know? I mean, Tom Cruise, his character seems to be a bit of a commitment phobe. And he remains a commitment phobe. And whatever. Uh, that's kind of life these days. That's the way, you know, the traditional things that uh, used to work out very well for America. Don't We don't embrace them as much. We don't. We can make our own decisions. We'll do whatever we want in the moment and feel great about it. And uh, uh, I think the sexual revolution, by the way, as somebody who, quite frankly, um, well, how do I put this? Uh, I was running around like a maniac for a good chunk of my life, all right? And I did tremendous damage to myself and probably to others as well. Um, so I think it was all for naught because we're coming back to a point where those traditional values that we all blew off, the society blew off, and now they're blowing them off more than ever before, we need to go back to them in a big way. And this is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. This is practical stuff. Too many lonely people out there. And I was one of them for a long time. All right, I am broadcasting live from South Florida. I'm a little bit messed up. There's no great big giant clock in the room. Am I told to go to I have to go to break. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, financially, I do okay. I uh, I don't think I'm rich yet. I would love to be. I'm working on it. I am working on it. I really am. I think it could happen to me. We'll see. Investing wisely, my wife is very good at that stuff. Uh, you know, and we don't. Uh, we're pretty frugal. And you can blow a lot of money on stupid stuff, and we try not to do that. Uh, hey, one thing that'll save you a bundle, by the way, is if you uh, don't drink. Anyway. Um, that's a memo for Paul Pelosi, husband of Nancy, busted for drunk driving. And it's just an allegation, of course, and uh, mistakes have been made. But this does not look good for Paul. And, of course, um, well, Nancy always looks like she's drunk. Paul, um, if you're listening, if you want to talk about sobriety, give me a call. You can contact me. You know how to do that. Your wife is the Speaker of the House. I guess um, I'm, I, I can't speak enough about the benefits of a sober life. However, what the hell are you doing driving? You're worth $200 million. $200 million. You're 82 years old. 
the very first, when I am rich enough, I am going to the very first thing. I don't want a boat. I don't want a plane. I don't want a yacht. I don't want, uh, what the hell else is there to buy, quite frankly? I don't know, but I want a driver. I want a guy who's going to take, or a girl who's going to take me wherever I want to go, whenever I want to go there, and I want to sit in the back seat so I can just do my thing, think, zone out, whatever the hell, tweet, read stuff. Uh, what is he doing driving at 82 and drinking, by the way? I mean, 82 is no big deal. Having that money, I'm telling you, I'm not 82. As soon as I get the money, if I get the money, I'm hiring one of those guys. And I'm going to, should I make him wear a hat? I don't know. But I want a chauffeur so bad. And you say, well, what about Uber? I can't stand Uber. I don't like being in that car with this stranger. Uh, it's you know, Well, I like cabs instead. Quite frankly, there's a barrier. And there's a million ways, if you don't like the driver, to turn him in. Not that I'm going to do that, but I just feel like, I don't know, it's more regulated than Uber. And nothing against Uber drivers at all. But, you know, when I get into the back of an Uber, you know, it's pretty up close and personal with the driver. I don't know you. I don't like the grading system. Uh, I don't like the surge pricing. Quite frankly, I'm not that crazy about your cars either. Everybody has the same thing. It's And it's... You know, when Uber first started, you guys kept them really nice and you offered mints to everybody. Now they're pretty dirty and and pretty dumpy, and it doesn't feel I, – I, I'm not comfortable in the Uber. I'll take one as a in an emergency. Although, generally speaking, when it's an emergency, you guys want to charge 80 bucks to go 10 blocks. All right. So, Paul, let me know about if you want to talk about the sober life, which is uh, a great way to live. Hey, the other thing, uh, very quickly, do you know who Paul Williams is, the singer-songwriter? If you're intrigued about sober living, I recommend a movie called Paul Williams is Still Alive. Paul Williams is Still Alive. When I was growing up, Paul Williams, I, I, I did not believe it was the same person because he would show up as a guest star, as a guest host, as uh, and he was making music at the same time. He was so talented, so multifaceted. He could sing. He could act. He was funny as hell. Well, he was also uh, a big-time addict, but he got clean, he got sober, and his entire life is um, in this documentary. And it really planted the seeds for me to walk away from alcohol five, six years ago. I, and I saw him in a restaurant, La Galoo, on the Upper East Side, actually, maybe three years ago, and I was able to thank him, and he really appreciated it. And uh, we actually stayed in touch. That's a celebrity friend of mine, Paul Williams. Um, Hey, I guess Joe Biden is at Arlington National Cemetery. That's what you're supposed to do. Good for him. But there are some who are urging him to take action on this Memorial Day weekend. Let's see here. Jennifer Rubin. You know who this is? This is probably the worst writer in the world. She calls herself a Republican, a conservative but she hates Trump, she hates MAGA, and she says that we're all anti-immigrant, we are all upset that white people aren't uh, dominant anymore, uh, we're all uh, mad all the time because white people are losing their status. And this is what she writes. The white grievance industry, right-wing media, politicians, pundits, think tanks, 
keep its voters in a constant state of rage over the loss of society and far in which far fewer women competed with men in the workplace. White power has, was largely unchallenged and diversity was less pronounced. And it has persuaded millions of white Americans that they are victims of elites or the media or globalism or attacks on masculinity. Well, it has Jennifer Rubin, you fool, nothing to do with race. MAGA, ultra MAGA, you know, ultra MAGA, of which I consider myself a proud member. They went after me pretty hard. Do you know why? Because I came out against Kathy Barnett. I did not like Kathy. I was not impressed with her resume. And I had some doubts, quite frankly, about her, her pro-life story. Well, I raised those questions, and I urged people to not vote for her. Ultra MAGA went crazy on my ass. Excuse me. How could you do this? She's as MAGA as they come. Kathy Barnett is the future. These are hardcore MAGA people. I disagreed with them, but guess what? Kathy Barnett happens to be black. All right? It's not about race. It's about ideas. Make a note of that, Jennifer. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The shooting in Texas, uh, are people still talking about it? They ought to be. They ought to be. And applying a hell of a lot of pressure on law enforcement. We need to know exactly what happened, what kind of mindset, what kind of failure was that. Folks, if you were listening to WABC Radio on Wednesday afternoon when that uh, Department of Public Safety spokesperson came out there and all that double talk, all that gibberish and the evasiveness and hiding behind emotion, I knew something was up. I knew it and I called it. I said it out loud. This this stinks. This absolutely stinks. Now, uh, for that gunman to be in there for as long as he was and not challenged by the cops, surrounded when every doctrine, ever, ever since Columbine says, you must go in immediately, you must go in. And if one cop goes down, another goes in. All right? And then another. You do not let this guy, no way, and children present. There's a lot we don't know, but there's a lot we do know. There's a lot we do know. Hey, by the way, I don't think Governor Greg Abbott is the bad guy in all of this. I think he was misled by law enforcement. They're giving him a hard time. I'll get back to that in a second. Look, I got to point out to something that's very weird. And I have to tell you guys, first of all, I don't think the government had anything to do with this. Okay? Uh, nothing like that. But I will point out that this shooting in Texas takes place, what, week and a half before the great big NRA convention in Houston. That's pretty weird. Now, I wouldn't think that much of it except for Columbine. Now, what happened in Uvalde, that's probably one of the three most notorious mass shootings in American history, right? Mass shootings, three or four. We've got Virginia Tech, Sandy Hook, Uvalde, and Columbine. Columbine. So I thought back to Columbine, and all the others, by the way, but Columbine, Columbine. In 1999, Columbine. This was arguably the first mass shooting, although it wasn't. We've had school mass shootings. <laughs> in the 1960s, Charles Whitman from that tower in Texas. 
but Columbine in April of 1999. First of all, by the way, whenever uh, there's this kind of scenario, law enforcement, they understand. It's in the books. It's in their training. Do not do what they did at Columbine. And what do they do in Columbine? They waited for the SWAT team to show up. They waited for the SWAT team to show up. And how long did that take? Oh, about an hour. You go in. This whole idea, well, we're outgunned. They have got rifles in there. We've got to wait for the heavy weapons. No, you don't. A well-aimed bullet from a thirty-eight caliber handgun revolver, 70 years old, can kill somebody. Well-aimed. It's not like the movies where you need machine gun fire to take a, oh, what about body armor? You know what? Aim for the head. Aim for a part that's not covered by body armor. There are a million ways you can do these things. So anyway, what happened after Columbine? The NRA had their convention in Denver. I'm not blaming. This is pre-planned. The NRA had their national convention in April of 1999. Just 10 days. Now, they had to move it, I believe. They had to cancel because of all the public pressure and outrage. Did they actually move it? I'm not. But. Isn't that kind of astounding? Isn't that weird? I think it's incredibly weird. Columbine, NRA, 10 days, same state, 1999. 2022, Uvalde, NRA convention, 10 days later, same state, Texas. Now, I guess Alex Jones got himself in a lot of trouble, and understandably so, quite frankly, because he said that, what did he say about Sandy? I don't even want to characterize what he said, because I'm not 100% sure how he said it. But I am going to say this. That is totally weird. And my, I don't know if I'm going to call it a theory, but you know these, these mass shooters, they talk in these chat rooms, and they spend a lot of time online, and they're always like their their big hero is the guy in Norway. That was the greatest mass shooting, the, the gravest, most serious mass shooting. How many? Over 100 victims, something like that. Breivik, Anders Breivik was his name. This, this maniac is a hero to some of these people. And they always have these other weird uh, goals and leanings and urges, and they talk about them online or somebody knows about them. Were these guys trying to... Screw up the NRA, trying to hijack the conversation, pervert it in some way. It's possible. It's possible. They all know who each other are. They seem to have great interest in that. You can look it up. I guarantee you on this guy's computer, they're going to find, if they haven't found already, an obsession with mass shootings. So I raise the question online, as I am supposed to do, because that's my... uh, that's my role here. Hey, let me just bring in um, Joe in Poughkeepsie for a moment. Joe, are you there? Yes. Welcome to uh, the program. How are you? Well, uh, you know, it's it's a tough day because I think of uh, my friends that I lost just like you lost, uh, Steve Herning and Bob Anderson that both died in crashes. And I particularly think of Steve because I always remember the last thing he said to me. He said, are you sure you don't want to go? And he was talking about getting in the back of an airplane, and the airplane blew up. It was a TA-7, and it had a crack in the engine, and it took the tail off, and they went to nine negative Gs, which, of course, snapped their necks. But um, there I was in Arlington. Did you say nine negative Gs? Right. 
That's what they estimated. Negative nine genes. Ne- right. So they, but, they were weightless, like they were like nine times lighter than gra- – oh, well, uh, negative. I've heard – I know about negative Gs. Nine times negative Gs. What is that? that? That's where it broke their necks. All right. And what happened next? Well, I'm in Arlington Cemetery, and I have to say on behalf of a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. And that was the flag I gave to its fiance. That, of course, they never got married. And I always think of Steve, particularly when actually Mark Levin's show comes on and the national anthem is there, because people, I think they don't understand how dangerous the military life is. It's a great point. It is a great point. And, you know, it's interesting. It's it just you made me think of something. Uh, you mentioned this guy was engaged. He never got married. An unusually high number of mishaps involve people who are engaged. I was in a mishap once. I was engaged at the time. It's just crazy. Where, I don't, where just, did you? What? Where, where did you have your crash? Uh, Southern California, over the desert. What squadron were you with then? Uh, 211. And and you were in a spin. Yeah, well, a little bit more complicated than that, but yeah, essentially. Anyway, yeah, it's it was bad news. It was a traumatic day, and uh, I had a little bit of a deja vu all over again in the Top Gun movie. All right, hey, um, Joe, great points. Thank you very much. Let's do uh, two more. Gary is in Connecticut. Hello. Hello, Greg. Yes. Yes. Uh, I just want to talk to you about what's going on. Everybody's complaining about the president and how his plan uh, is. He's not smart about things, but I think they're all very smart. It's definitely Obama 2.0. And they're purposely going out trying to destroy this country. I mean, if you had to look back and say, hey, let's put together a plan to really hurt this country. I think you got to just check off the list because they've they've done everything they wanted to do. And the long term plan, I mean, Obama 2.0. Okay, all the people behind him are taking care of this. And I think at at the end of Obama, uh, I'd be curious to see where his funeral is held that will know the true truth of his uh, background. Uh, You mean where? Like, what do you mean by where? Well, you'll determine the person's religion at his funeral. Let uh, look, number one, I do think these guys are deliberately out to do harm to our country. Uh, You know, whoever's controlling Biden, they seem to. they seem to be out to sabotage America. Now, the other thing I'll say about Obama and his faith, um, I have no problem, none, uh, with a with a per, with a Muslim, none. Jewish people, of course not. Christians, of course not. It doesn't matter to me. However, however, I think you might be right about his Muslim faith. The problem is, he's been lying about it. He's been lying about it, possibly. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that he has. Even, well, when he told George Stephanopoulos that I'm a Muslim. He did. He said that out loud. And the thing that I disagreed with John McCain about when the woman said, you know, I don't like him because he's a Muslim. And then John McCain, you know, grabbed the mic from her and got a lot of credit for this and saying, no, no, ma'am, he's an honest, good person. No, no, no. And I'm like, well, that's not the point. You can be an honest, good person no matter what your faith, in my opinion. But, uh... If you lie about it, if you deceive country, I think that's a big problem. Does that make sense, my friend? Uh, I agree with you. I, I have no problem with someone's religion, but if you can't be man enough to stand up and tell us the truth, 
I think that's an indicator of him and all that he's done. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. And uh, there's something very weird about this situation. Hey, speaking of weird, did you see the uh, – thank you, pal. Did you see – who the hell threw a cake at Mona Lisa? The Mona Lisa at the Louvre, somebody caked it. You hear about that? Caking, it's a thing. It's a it, – it, you throw a pie in somebody's face, it's, you get pied. You throw a cake at somebody's face, they get caked. And somebody threw a cake in the Mona Lisa. Now, I've been to the Louvre. I've seen the Mona Lisa, and I've heard people say, well, I don't really see what the big deal is. It's actually a pretty cool painting. Is it by Leonardo da, da Vinci or Michelangelo? One of those guys. Very talented, very good at painting. I'm sorry, which one? Da Vinci, huh? Well, the thing about it is if you're in the room, her eyes really do seem to be following you all over the place, which is, which is quite eerie. So she seems to be looking at you. Although it does lose some of its mystique when you got 80,000 people in the room taking cameras and selfies with it. So let's see here. The BBC. A man disguised as an elderly woman in a wheelchair has thrown cake at the Mona Lisa, Leonardo da Vinci's famous painting at the Louvre in Paris. The piece, which was undamaged, was left with white cream smeared across its protective glass. The perpetrator, seen wearing a wig and lipstick, urged people to... Think of the earth while being led from the scene. The incident on Sunday was described by witnesses as being jaw-dropping. Yeah, I would have found that. Oh, wait a second. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is this on tape? Wait a second. I just got to watch this. Oh, it's the immediate aftermath. And, yeah, she is smeared, and they're wiping it off, but she's under glass. Anyway, not very nice, but nothing, uh, nothing, nothing damaged. By the way, if you ever want to see a great art movie... And I know what you're thinking. Why would I ever want to see a great art movie? But it's really about robberies. When I, maybe you, maybe that'll interest you. It did me. The Thomas Crown Affair. And I'm talking about not the old one with uh, Steve McQueen, the, the relatively newer one with Pierce Brosnan and Rene Russo. That is one hell of a good movie. And um, there's that, and there's Top Gun. I'm done talking about Top Gun. Hey, one other thing. All right, we talked about Nancy Pelosi. Oh, do me a favor here. What did Nan- Marsha Blackburn, she's a senator from Tennessee, and regarding the deliberate nature of how bad these screw-ups are, she uh, she agrees with you, pal. G- do me a favor. Do we have cut 26? Uh, make it 25. Make it 25. Yeah, you can tell me if you don't have the benefit of hindsight where I'm sitting now. Of course, it was not the right decision. It was the wrong decision. Very. There's no no. Well, Monday, May thirtieth, I got it. So look for it, Marsha Blackburn. It seems like Biden is intentionally screwing up America. Okay, number seven. Try that. It is of tremendous concern that it seems every action this administration has taken is an action that is driving up the cost of energy, it is driving up the cost of a barrel of oil, the price at the pump, the cost of food, the cost of clothing, the inflation rates are through the roof. Well, she's right about that. She's no Margaret Thatcher, though, is she? Let's face it. She just sounds kind of like, I don't, I don't know if she can move the needle as far as policy and politics go, but she's trying, and that's pretty good. Um, 
Enrique Tario. Remember this for the uh, crazy MAGA, um, anti-MAGA movement. You know, they don't like ultra-MAGA because they say we're racist. Well, we're not. It's all about ideas. And Enrique Tario, who is head of the Proud Boys, which is not racist at all. It's not white supremacist. Enrique Tario is really the poster boy for how MAGA is not racist. He is Afro-Cuban. Afro-Cuban. And he is being persecuted. They threw him in jail a couple of months ago for activities related to January 6th. He wasn't even there. It's amazing. They blew up the country for Black Lives Matter. And anybody who looked at the Capitol or even thought about the Capitol on January 6th seems to be in trouble. All right. I want to see what he says here, though. This is Enrique Tario on the War Boys podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. What the hell is the War Boys about? Is that Steve Bannon? Uh, let me hear. Cut eight, please. But go the f*** outside. Cause civil disobedience. Go inside the Capitol. Don't wear a mask. Burn those masks outside the Capitol. Okay? Don't burn them indoors. But dude the only way that you're going to fight back is if you put these things together and you test you test their resolve to put you in chains hmm all right so this is what uh is this what they're is this why they think they got them that stuff doesn't sound too good you don't want to do this you don't want to do that but he's just a guy talking now can you say he's inciting let me hear that one more time cut eight please but go the f*** outside cause civil disobedience go inside the capitol don't wear a mask burn those masks outside the capital okay don't burn them indoors but this dude the only way that you're going to fight back is if you put these things together and you test you test their resolve to put you in chains hey um that's constitutionally protected free speech and oh by the way he was advocating for civil disobedience and he said burn the mass outside the capital i don't see a problem with it is this the smoking gun evidence they've got on enrique tario he should be a free man. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On this Memorial Day, we should also remember that our military is under attack from within. It comes, it's uh, being driven by woke military leadership, uh, taking its cues from, well, the media, the culture, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris. Remember when Mark Milley got up there and said, I want to know about uh, white rage, and I'm white. Yeah, oh, look at me. I'm a white man, and I want to know about white rage. I, I led to January 6th, and we need to talk about uh, systemic racism and, and critical race theory. It's really important. Um, imagine that. The general talks in such a manner, and it has a trickle-down effect all the way down to the private. Oh, yeah. The entry-level soldiers, Marines, uh, sailors, airmen, all of them. You know what they're getting? More than marksmanship, more than tactics, more than how to climb up the side of a building, more than how to survive out in the woods. Nah, all that stuff is secondary. All that stuff you think about when you think about military service, that's like third, fourth on the list. No, we got much more important things to talk about, like diversity. Like equity, like inclusion. DEI, it's DEI. Remember those. Those You may not have put those together. It's an abbreviation. Some call it an acronym, although I think an acronym is like NATO, like SPECTRE. It's, 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 this is a, an abbreviation. It's got to be a word. Anyway, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Gosh, they've got so many more important things to worry about. And have you noticed? 
Have you noticed? It's like instead of tackling problems anymore, we just notice gender and race and make a virtuous kind of display out of, I will appoint a person of color. I will appoint a transgender individual. Now, it's one little thing I noticed in the Top Gun movie, by the way, and I like the movie, but there was diversity up the yin-yang, which sounds great, right? Well, first of all, it was a little bit unrealistic, but I did notice that, well, I don't want to give Tom Cruise too hard a time because I think he did a great service for the film industry and for the country and, and from, for Memorial Day weekend. Everybody came around and, and watched a movie. Well, that doesn't seem to happen anymore. It's the first time I've been to the movie theater since, like, what, 2019. All I'm saying is, though, there was a, it was a little bit too on the nose of the casting sometimes. And then for a lot of people, especially, and I'm, forget the Tom Cruise movie, but it's like, okay, if we have enough people of color around here and I'm white, that means I can retain my position. I'm a big, powerful person, and I want to make maintain my big, powerful status. But I'll, 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 I'll decorate the area. I'll decorate the office with diversity, but I will be on top. You see a lot of that in Hollywood. You see a lot of that in media, a lot of the culture, a lot of uh, you know the corporate chieftains out there, why they're, why they're playing this game. Who's a good example of this? Uh, uh, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is now the wokest guy in the universe. Roger Goodell was this close to firing uh, Colin Kaepernick. In fact, he did discipline him for kneeling and all that crap. That was appropriate. Now he's apologizing. Now they're pulling strings to make this guy a quarterback, even though he can't play anymore. Why? So he can retain his power and status. That's what's going on. So in a way, they're using people of color so that they can maintain their power and status. Now, what difference does that make? Well, I think, it, uh, I think it's a negative. And I think it's a negative for people of color, for white people, for anybody. Especially because most people aren't playing these high-end games. But they're going to trickle down. And it's going to affect you and me. No matter what our color is, at the supermarket, at the warehouse, at the factory. It's one thing if you want to decorate your museum and, and have an event and have uh, transgender and inclusion, and it's in Greenwich Village. Knock yourself out. But if it's at the Walmart warehouse, I don't think that's, I don't know. You really want to be that stylish? Dirty Harry had a great, great line. It was in the second Dirty Harry movie. And they say, this department was committed to bringing on more women, women and minorities. We need women as patrol officers. And Dirty Harry says, well, isn't that stylish? <laughs> I just love that word, stylish. Uh, instead of doing the hard work, you know, like really figuring out why we have poverty at abnormally high rates in certain communities, that's hard. But... Putting a black guy in a movie, that's easy. See what I mean? And then everybody comes out on top. Wrong! All right, there's the music. Coming to you live from Palm Beach, Florida, of all places. I'll be right back. Handling legal matters is stressful. 
So, let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, just uh, how long are we going to allow this to happen in our city where crime uh, will just flourish and we'll all pretend that white supremacists are the real problem in America? Did you see this horrible uh, gang attack on an Asian man? At Fulton Street, it's a big subway station. Looks like it happened in, I think this was happened in the middle of the day. An Asian man is getting beat up by a bunch of punks who, uh, uh, by the way, they're a little bit older. And I did happen to notice that, uh, well, it wasn't from the white supremacists. Let me just put it that way. Uh, can I hear this? You might be able to hear some punching and some taunting and some horrible stuff going on. Cut 18, please. Well, you can tell that some people are having a good old time there. Oh, yeah, there's laughter. But you hear those little, that's a guy getting slapped and punched in the face. As a bunch of people just cheer on. Now, there was a time when moments like this would kind of set the city on edge, and we demand justice and we demand action. Um, not so much anymore, uh, for whatever reason. I'm not, not, not feeling the, I mean, I know people are outraged, but I don't really, quite frankly, see it in the media. I don't see people applying all that much pressure, if any, on Eric Adams. Eric Adams still seems to be having the time of his life, pitching himself. He can't believe he's mayor. Oh, neither can I, for that matter. Hey, by the way, uh, did you see the stampede at the Barclays Center? Oh, yeah, there was a big one. Cut 11. <laughs> Is this supposed to sound like anything? <laughs> Uh, that, okay, that, I, I, uh, that, that, that didn't sound like much, but let me, uh, let me read this to you. No shots were fired at the Barclays Center during a disturbance that sent people, including tennis star Naomi Osaka, running in fear early Sunday, said the New York City Police Department. After investigating the incident at the Barclays Center this morning, we determined that no shots were fired, which served the Park Slope section of the 78th Precinct, an NYPD spokesman told uh, CNN that there was a sound disturbance at the indoor arena. People mistook it for gunfire. 18 people suffered injuries. Nine were transported to area hospitals. Looked like we started recording uh, right after they emptied the arena. <laughs> okay. Uh, the sound is unclear. Well, people are on edge because there's real gunfire. 50% increase in shootings in 2022. And remember, Eric Adams was supposed to have such expertise from 20 years ago when he was a mid-level mediocre police captain. 
Well, we've got a lot of better police captains who are on duty right now, but they don't feel like they're backed up by this mayor. And that is a huge problem. I have, a, as you may know, I have some pretty good contacts contacts in the uh, law enforcement community and uh, and beyond. And somebody put it this way. Let's see here. Adams only cares about himself, always about him. Big difference, experience and genuine concern for fixing things the right way, not according to public opinion. Uh, Adams did not do a damn thing when he was on the job except bitch and seek out political opportunities. His agenda has always been himself. Whereas your dad, oh, they're talking about my dad, Ray Kelly, had experience in all aspects of the job, military, dealing with people, decision-making, etc., and your dad truly wanted to better the city and reduce crime for the benefit of the citizens. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Bloomberg had a deep concern for the safety of the citizens and wanted to make New York a better place to live, work, and visit. He had money to do so. Bit of an egomaniac, but he never inserted himself into every damn speech, issue, address. Even when Rivera and Mora were killed, I got this from a friend of mine, again, who still is, uh, let's just say, active in law enforcement. Adams got up there and spoke about, oh, God, this is, this is true. Remember this? When Rivera and Mora were killed, do you remember that a couple of months ago, those two uh, cops up in Harlem shot? Adams got up there and spoke about his mother worrying about him. It's not about him, but he makes it that way every single time. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I forgot about that. He's already talking about he's already talking about running for president. Now, there is a lot of expertise. And you know what? All hope is not lost. Now, here's what I would say to Eric Adams. Eric, you know, you like to talk about the Bible and I do, too. And you talk about Esther and Esther was made for that moment. Right. Esther. Esther saved the Jews. And I know you take a lot from that. And I understand but that doesn't mean you have to do this yourself, okay? There are people out there who can help, who want to help you. And just because you're the mayor, it doesn't mean you're emperor. You know what I mean? Because lately you're walking around like you're the emperor. Do you think you're emperor? You're not. You've been on the job for three and a half months, and quite frankly, it looks like you're failing. Now, you do have a certain amount of immunity because, well, you're a person of color right now, and that's about as fashionable as it gets. And I notice that you're playing the race card an awful lot. Now, that will intimidate certain people in the media for a time. But sooner or later, they're going to get tired or they're going to feel their oats or something's going to happen. And they're, they're going to start you know, speaking up. Why not get ahead of that? Why not get ahead of that? You need help. I think you need help. Big time. The other thing I'd say is, uh, yeah, you don't know how all, all, it's all going to work out. I was dyslexic, too, by the way. I don't talk about it every 10 minutes like you do. I, you you pulled this line like, you know, there's some guy in Rikers Island who's dyslexic, and he's going to look to Eric Adams and I can be mayor, too, one day. It doesn't work that way anymore. We've all kind of grown up, and we were all disillusioned by Barack Obama, that whole idea what did Barack say? Uh, yeah, the first day in office, uh, kids will look at the president and think, I can, be, I can be president someday as well. Yeah, it doesn't work that way anymore. And we're not, you know, political people. 
media people, you're all caught up about race and gender and all that stuff. The New York Times. But people are not. People, the people are not. We want the job done. We just want the job done. And I am sick to death of people saying MAGA is racist. And quite frankly, calling me a racist on Twitter, on the Internet, you name it. Hey, I can take it. I'm fine. I'm just a little bit. If you want to challenge me, challenge me on my ideas. Challenge me on the stuff I get wrong. And I get stuff wrong all the time. But just to say I'm a racist, he's racist. You know you've basically canceled the word. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It means you disagree with me. So what? Is it insulting? Quite frankly, not anymore because it means nothing. It means nothing. True racism, hatred of a group based on color, based on ethnicity, that's horrible and wrong. It's also extremely rare. And when you guys try to say MAGA is about racism, you're so ignorant. You're so ignorant. Look at that great moment. I just put it up on Twitter, by the way. Wait, did I put it up yet? Oh, no. Um, I'm going to right after this. It's Donald Trump with people from all over the world during the convention. And uh, one's from South America. I think one's from India. Two are from Africa. And they're all taking the Pledge of Allegiance. And they're about to take the... Yeah. Oh, actually, I did put it up already. One of the most beautiful moments in presidential history. Brand new American citizens, immigrants from all over the world with President Trump taking the Pledge of Allegiance. Ultra MAGA is pro-legal immigration. Ideas, not race. Makes sense? Ideas, not race. And nobody gets that about us outside the MAGA world. And again, God bless that Kathy Barnett. Yep. Yeah, I'm talking about the Republican candidate for Pennsylvania Senate. No, I didn't like her. I thought she was a bit of a phony baloney. But man, hardcore, ultra MAGA, they were all in. All in. And by the way, if you look at it, yeah, there's a. If you really wanted to notice, it's uh, overwhelmingly white. Hardcore, ultra MAGA. Not as white as they say, but it's pretty white. And they were all in with Kathy Barnett, a person of color, a black woman. Your color doesn't matter. It's a great band out of the UK. I like them a lot. All right, let me go. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Dennis is in Oceanside. Hi, Dennis. Greg, welcome back. Thanks for your service back in the day. I'm surprised Thank you're working you. today, by the way. Uh, but anyway, what, what, what does Adam Jason got to do to turn this city around? Because subways are unsafe. It's just a disaster out there, just the perception alone. He wants kids to come back to do, go to work from businesses. But my daughter's scared of going on the train because of uh, what's, what she sees and hears. Keep her off the trains, number one. Keep her off the train if she can afford it. If you can help her out, she's got to take Uber. She's got to take the bus. She's got to take a cab. She's got to buy a car. Stay If you can afford it, stay the hell off of the subways. People are getting killed down there at a rate we have not seen in decades. Now, I'm not a law enforcement expert by any means, and they're out there. Uh, but reinvigorating stop and frisk, backing up the cops, getting rid of qualified immunity, or, or, I'm sorry, reinstating qualified immunity, um, that would help. And also, you need some people, I think you need more people with more experience. I think it felt very good when he appointed a uh, female to be commissioner. I mean, I'm sure, and he got credit for that. 
New York Times patted them on the back. Yeah, right, 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 right. Was she the best person for the job? The number five person from Nassau County who never led a big city department? I wonder. I just wonder. And over the next couple of days, I'll be bringing in high-level law enforcement experts who will map out exactly what needs to be done because I just can't let this happen. Neither can you. I mean, gee whiz. Hey, we just laid down roots in this city. I got two babies and a, and a house and a wife. You know, I mean, in the city. I'd like to... Uh, well, I'd like to make some cash here if I can when I sell this damn place. Know what I mean? So, I don't know. I don't know. Look, I'm not a law enforcement person. I support them. I know uh, a fair amount about it. But uh, later on, we'll bring in the, uh, the, he- the the big guns on this issue. Anything else on your mind, buddy? No, just enjoy, enjoy your day. And thanks for your service and all those guys working out there. Be careful. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Ah, yeah, enjoy the day. It's easy to do down here in Palm Beach, Florida, although, although, you know what they get really carried away with down here? Those lunatics on the bikes. You know, the 10-speed bicycles, and you got like 60 guys riding, and they all are dressed like um, uh, Greg LeMond. Uh, uh, who's the other guy? Who's the guy who cheated at the, with the steroids? What was his name again? Uh, Neil Armstrong. No, not Neil Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. <laughs> they're all wear. They're all dressed like Lance Armstrong. Sixty, a gang of sixty bikes. If you're in a car, you got to get in the uh, the lane. You know, facing opposite traffic. I think it's dangerous for everybody. It's dangerous for those guys on the bikes. It's dangerous for the motorists. But it's nothing compared to New York, where these guys are flying uh, through stop signs, especially the yuppies. There's a bunch of bikers I don't like. I don't like the the bikers in Central Park are going way too fast. The yuppies, you shouldn't be riding a bike, all right? You're you, no, you, you stop riding a bike when you're in middle school. And man, these bikers are fanatical. They're like pot smokers. They're also incredibly uh, fanatical. Uh, you say anything about pot, you know? I I don't think it's good. They're like, what the hell? They just go nuts. Well, guess what? It's not FDA approved. And uh, more people than ever are smoking that stuff. And it's one of the reasons why so many things are falling through the cracks. I wonder, I wonder how many of those cops down there, quite frankly. I wonder, in Texas. Because we have embraced this narcotic without, without a conversation and without data. I wonder. Give me a moment. I'll be right back. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201 225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network Hey, uh, there we go Everything good? I am coming to you live once again from Palm Beach 
Florida. I am less than a mile from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, yes, I tried to see the president, but uh, the season is now over. Labor Day weekend, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Memorial Day weekend, pretty much uh, uh, there's a big shift and everybody starts going to other places and it's kind of deserted here. I don't mind a bit. I love it. One problem, though, it's been raining and when it rains, the lifeguards often chase you out of the ocean. I don't think that's, uh, come on. I mean, I think they, come on, I'm not going to get, has anybody ever been electrocuted swimming in the ocean? Has that ever happened? Hey, do you know who Amanda Gorman is? Amanda Gorman is this um, young girl who maybe someday will be a great writer. I don't know, but they are pushing her, the woke left, like crazy. They had her read a poem at the inauguration of Joe Biden. And it was, I mean, I, I'm no I'm no poet, but I, even I could tell that this was pretty crummy poetry. And I said as much, and of course, what do they say about me? You're a racist! Okay, right, 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 right. Uh, she was 17, not ready, not ready to, uh, to deliver a great big speech at the inauguration. Is that racist? It's a child. It's a little kid. Well, she went to, she's going to Harvard. So what? Don't be overly impressed. Okay? Get stuff done in the real world. This is the thing, especially white America. White America goes nuts because you just want to, because when you start saying half the country's racist, they'll do anything to show they're not racist. Like embrace Barack Obama. No ability, no track record whatsoever. What did Joe Biden say about him? Well, hey, he's clean. Well, lots of black people are clean, you dummy. What the hell kind of statement is that? Just unthinkingly embrace folks. Hey, you know why I like Dr. Ben Carson? Not because he's black. Because he's a brain surgeon and he's conservative. That's why I like him. But Amanda Gorman... What did she do? She wore a yellow dress. You know, they like try to make it look iconic at the beginning, right? Let's put her in a yellow dress. It'll be iconic. All right. The only problem is you guys never figured out if she was good at poetry or not. Well, she ain't good at poetry. Now, I am no poet, but I've talked to a few poets, and they're like, oh, my God. They put this on the op-ed page at the New York Times this weekend. Are you ready? Are you ready? This Is this poetry? It, this is something that you or I could do. In middle school, all right? I mean, uh, well, college. Miss Amanda Gorman. Miss Gorman is a poet and author of The Hill We Climb. Call us what we carry and other books. Okay, here we go. Amanda Gorman. Everything hurts. Our hearts shadowed and strange. Minds made muddied and mute. We carry tragedy, terrifying and true. And yet none of it is new. Oh, did you catch that? True and new, they rhyme. We knew it as home, as horror, as heritage. Even our children cannot be children, cannot be. Oof. Everything hurts. It's a hard time to be alive, and even harder to stay that way. Give me a break. Up, oh, sorry. We're burdened to live out these days, while at the same time blessed to outlive them. This alarm is how we know we must be altered, that we must differ or die, that we must triumph or try, 
There she goes again with the rhyming die, rhymes with try. Thus, while hate cannot be terminated, it can be transformed into a love that lets us live. May we not just grieve, but give. May we not just ache, but act. May we, what? May our signed right to bear arms never blind our sight from shared harm. Here she goes again. This middle schooler is going to do great. When she gets to college, I see all kinds of potential here. May we choose our children over chaos. May another innocent never be lost. Maybe everything hurts, our hearts shadowed and strange. But only when everything hurts, may everything change. Good job, Amanda. I would give her a B plus, depending upon her grade level. I mean, if she were in the sit, this is definitely A plus work for a fifth grader. By the time you stood up there on the uh, on the inaugural podium, well, I could see Joe Biden being impressed by this. I can. I mean, after all, he was impressed that Barack Obama took a shower, right? Is his standards are uh, are low for some people? For some people, I noticed. You know, not for other people. Um, interesting, very interesting. All right, my new thing is. Oh, there's the music. I gotta hold that thought on the new thing. Uh, because it's an important new thing. I met Laura Ingram, of all people, yesterday. Fantastic woman. Uh, who else did I meet uh, down here? Um, uh, some of his, I'll tell you later. I'll be right back. Entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, the 2020 election, if we have doubts about it, if we have concerns about it, we're not schemers. We're not conspiracists, conspiracy theory holders. We are concerned Americans who are unafraid of the woke left, the cancel culture uh, of those who would be those would be censors out there. No, we are allowed to. And this should not be disqualifying. This should not be a stigma. You know, you're so defensive about it, actually. Your defensiveness gets me awfully suspicious. Awfully suspicious. And quite frankly, it's a combination of your lies and downright misinformation. You don't seem to know what you're talking about half the time. Especially Pennsylvania. And especially what they said about Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, when he was in court in um it was in pennsylvania and they quoted him as saying this is not a fraud case he told the judge well i'm not here for fraud i'm not here for voter fraud and they were like aha you see even rudy giuliani says it's not fraud there is no voter fraud and you can look it up that headline was everywhere well he wasn't talking about voter fraud he was talking about the constitutionality of the votes that were cast it's different from phony votes or anything like that so just again to recap pennsylvania before covid there were two ways to vote in pennsylvania in person or absentee with excuse all right i'm in the military i'm in europe on business and you had to get permission ahead of time and i think it had to be in writing and they were okay covid comes along 
And they throw all that out. They change the rules. They say, oh, you can vote anywhere, anytime. No excuse. You can vote from home. You can vote from the office. You can vote from overseas. We don't care. Wherever you want to vote, you don't need an excuse. And you could say, well, uh, COVID was uh, uh, an existential threat, and it makes sense because we never had anything like that, so we had to change the rules. No. Because there's, it's one thing to change the rules. What about the law? Nobody changed the law. Now, it wasn't a rule that you had to either vote in person or absentee with excuse. It was the law. Now, you can change the law. Of course you can. But it's complicated, especially when it's in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's Constitution that you can only vote in two ways, which it was, which it is. You want to change the Constitution? you got to do 75 things, including have a constitutional convention, including taking ads out in every paper, in the state for two weeks going, letting them know that you're going to be voting on this, and then the state legislature votes on it, the state senate votes on it, the governor, and then it's got to go up to a public referendum. They didn't do any of that. So when Rudy Giuliani went in and said, well, we're not here for fraud, we're here for a violation, the law, and they tried to say he was a phony. Also, by the way, very interesting, in, in Arizona, uh, some of the ballots, you know what they did? Very cleverly, and I think it was most sinister, when they handed out Sharpies for everybody to fill in the little zero, the little oval. Here's a Sharpie. What could be wrong with a Sharpie? Sharpies almost always work, right? Think of a Sharpie for a moment. What is sh- what does a Sharpie do? It basically drips ink. You know, you don't have to apply much pressure. That's why I use Sharpies all the time, because I'm lazy, and I don't want to have to apply wrist pressure. I'm serious. I like it because it almost does the writing itself. You don't have to push the pen to the paper to get the ink to flow. That's why I love Sharpies. I got five of them right here. So what's the problem? Well, when you scan those ballots, you know what the ballot machine is looking for? An indentation. It actually is looking for an indentation. Yes, the color of that the oval's been painted, or but also an indentation. So it knows that a pen was applied. A slight indentation is what the machine was looking for. But they gave out Sharpies to everybody, and Sharpies don't make indentations. Stuff like this, and thank goodness for Dinesh D'Souza and the 2000 Mules movie. If you haven't seen it, see it. I think you go to 2000mules.com. I'm looking forward to talking to Dinesh pretty soon. Great. Uh, well, he's got a great mind. He's a great filmmaker, and uh, this is an important movie. And no, no, we're not. Uh, it's not a big lie to raise questions about the 2020 election. It's a big lie when they call it a big lie. That's a big lie. And when they try to demonize us for just asking questions, I don't want this to happen again, and I'm really worried it could. You know, after Hillary lost, they were like, uh-oh, we can never, ever, ever let this happen again. And everybody gives Trump a hard time for even bringing it up. Oh, I wish he would move on. Really? Well, he's the aggrieved party. More than anyone else in the country, he's the victim. You know, a long time ago, somebody, somebody plagiarized my work. And it really, really bothered me. It was in a professional setting. I don't want to tell anybody where it was or when it was. But somebody copied my work. And it bothered the hell out of me. And I asked, I asked uh, people close to me, 
what should I do with this? I kind of want to turn the guy in. They said, don't do that. It'll look bad on you. I'm like, really? Yeah, you'll you'll be the one who looks bad. Nobody likes a rat. Well, you know what? I was the one who had my work copied. Me. I was the victim. Not them. Not anybody I asked. And by the way, I want to talk about this whole thing about being a rat. What do they say in Goodfellas? People call them rats because a rat will do anything to survive. Isn't that right, Mr. Hill? I don't know nothing about being a rat. Mr. Hill, you know everything about being a rat. That was the famous counselor, Ed Hayes, to Ray Liotta. May he rest in peace. Well, if you see something that is illegal or wrong, and you can't fix it yourself, you can't address it yourself with that person and fix it and call them out, it's not rat. It's not being a rat. It's being complicit if you don't say something. Well, it's a friend. or Don't find new friends. Nobody needs friends who cut corners like that. Know what I mean? I hope so. I know. I say that, and sometimes people look at me funny. Hey, has anyone seen this bachelor party with the soccer star in the U.K.? Apparently, he's really good. He's like David Beckham. He's that good. His name is Andy, and he's in a bit of trouble. So Andy's about to get married to his longtime girlfriend, uh, fiance. They actually have kids together, three kids. Well... Andy's getting married. Andy, what the hell's his last name? Andy Carroll. Andy goes off to Dubai to have a blowout bachelor party. And I've been to Dubai. Oh, boy. That's far away, and uh, they've got deluxe everything in Dubai. I personally did not have a bachelor party. I I did not. I did not. I think they're a little silly. But if you're going to have one, um, I think the whole idea of a bachelor party is it's your last night of freedom, Right. Well, I I think that that might be the theory, but in practicality, that's a tough one to pull off. Andy Carroll, okay, world-famous soccer player, goes off to Dubai, and he takes two women back to his hotel room. And these two women are blabbermouths. Blabbermouth. And uh, what do they do? They take pictures with him when he's sleeping. They put on his uh, bathrobe. They're taking all kinds of silly pictures. And, of course, uh, the soon-to-be Mrs. Carroll finds out about all this stuff, and she's, I don't know if the wedding is off yet, but she is, um, she's fired up. She's, now, I have been reviewing all of the evidence, and I have to tell the future Mrs. Carroll, I wouldn't push my luck on this one, all right? Look, it was a bachelor night. You let him go to Dubai, <laughs> which is basically code for who the hell knows what. You let him go. And uh, I think I would just look past this, chalk it up for an epic uh, bachelor party. Hey, you saw that movie, Bachelor Party, right? Was it Bachelor Party? Everybody, wait, what, no, what was that? What was that movie called about the bachelor? Not Bachelor Party, The Hangover, The Hangover movie. That was about a bachelor party, and it got a little bit too out of hand. Um, just leave, just leave it alone, all right? And this guy, he's a keeper. You got three kids with him. What are you gonna do, huh? You got to take him back. You got to take him back. As for Taylor Jane Wilkie, uh, forgive me. I don't like. I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it. Bimbo, total bimbo. I'm sorry. She works. She's taking pictures with his property in the play in the in the hotel room. Some guy she just met, and she's taking pictures and bragging about it and then putting it up on social media. 
I think I can call her a bimbo. What do you think? Is that too extreme? It's not the it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, it's not a good thing. Being a bimbo, that is. I think I can say it. What do you think? Uh, let's just check in. A quick round from, uh, let's see here, James in Nassau. Do you have a problem with what I said? No, absolutely not. Uh, she's she's worse than that. She's uh, an SOB. Uh, I want, hello? Yeah. I wanted to talk about what happened like 30 years ago, 35 years ago, in a small town in Georgia. Everybody was required to get a gun in their household. If they couldn't afford it, that was in human events. If they couldn't afford it, the, the town would help them. Why? That sounds. What town was that? Sounds like the town that Kim Basinger was the it was owned. Remember, she bought a. What town was this? Oh, I don't know. It was in human events. It's thirty years ago. Hey, I'm ninety six. I can't remember everything. Oh, you're that guy. That guy who was uh, had such an upbeat attitude about everything. You sound better today. Uh, I'm I'm horizontal. (laughs) Not yet. The point is. The point is, we need more guns. If more people, what about Ferguson on a train? They searched all the people. They didn't even have a toothpick to defend themselves. If I want two guns, I don't want one. I want two. You know what we need more in this uh, city, in this town, in this country? We need more Bernie Getz, and we need more Charles Bronsons. How about more cops? How about cops who are backed up by uh, backed up by uh, the political leaders? You know, because guess what? Uh, Charles Bronson can miss, and so can Bernie Getz. How about making a city where those kids don't get on the train and feel like they can rob people ahead of time? I uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to sign up for more Bernie Getz in this world. You ever see him walk around town? He's got a parakeet on his shoulder. He's a very strange guy. All right, man. Thank you. Uh, what the hell Georgia Town is he talking about? Georgia Town required to buy a gun. Uh, he said he saw it in human events. I don't think this is going to check out. If so, let's see. Hold on. In this town, guns are required by law. Hmm. Kennesaw, Georgia. As the debate over guns continues in Washington and communities across the country, there's at least one place where owning a gun is technically required by law. In Kennesaw, Georgia, local law says that every head of the household residing in the city limits is required to maintain a firearm. If you're going to commit a crime in Kennesaw and you're the criminal, are you going to take a chance that the homeowner is a law-abiding citizen, asked Kennesaw Mayor Derek Easterling. Hey, by the way, I think the Constitution reflects this. There was a there was talk about a requirement for that well-armed militia that everybody from 18 to 45 have at least a musket of some kind. Wayne Arnold is one of those citizens. Among the weapons he keeps at his home are an AR-15-style 20... Um, some sort of caliber rifle, a variety of handguns, and more. It gives me ability. Okay, hold on a second. It may be the law in Kennesaw to own a gun, but the police department says it isn't actually enforced. That's interesting. And by the way, this is not 30 years ago like our uh, 96-year-old friend was saying. This is four years ago, March of 2017. I'm reading from uh, the CNN website. How about that one? 
Guns are required. Your story checks out, pal. At least a little bit. Oh, I need a woman's a woman's opinion here. We've got uh, uh, Gail in Staten Island. Yes, Gail. Hello. Good afternoon, Greg. Um, I'm listening to your show. I wasn't sure if it was addressed. I was outside. I came in about Gabe Kapler. I think he was. He's the manager of the uh, San Francisco Giants, and he said. He's not going to come out for the national anthem anymore. Um, I thought the national anthem and the American flag represented values, valor, and uh, respect for uh, the men and women who serve our nation. I don't think it's about him, but you know what? I guess because of their service, uh, he can he can do that. You know, it's a free country, free speech. But uh, you know, you got to ruin the the um, you know, the American pastime, so they say, you know, and I just wanted to make that point. Uh, well, thank you for bringing it to my attention. San Francisco Giants manager Gabe Kapler. Yeah, he's not going to. Uh, let's see here. San Francisco Giants manager said Friday he will refuse to take the field for the pregame national anthem going forward following the massacre at the elementary school in Texas. I don't plan on coming out for the anthem going forward until I feel better about the direction of our country, Kapler Till. Well, you know what? I'm not going to go to a Giants game until I feel better about you. Um, that'll be easier for me to do. I don't uh, care for baseball anymore, and I have no interest in seeing a game. Or Kapler told reporters Friday before the... Now, what is this guy, anyway? Where is he all about? Where does he come from? Kapler elaborated in a blog post titled, Home of the Brave? Question mark. He appeared to blast the police response to the massacre. Yeah, I can see that, but do you blast the entire country? U.S. gun lobby. You know, a lot of these uh, managers, by the way, they're not really in charge. They're reporting to the players. It's like the lunatics are running the asylum. And that virtue yeah. signaling I saw from that Tony LaRusso guy, uh, that was ludicrous. Remember that? When yes. Donaldson made a pretty harmless comment and they turned it into a racist thing. And, and LaRusso, of all people, uh, went there as well let me just see what this guy's what's his name again kapler let's just yeah, see was, he what he's done with his player. life he what he was a former player yeah you know, i imagine i imagine that i mean money. professional baseball outfielder currently a manager uh da, 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 da. yeah they have torn this country apart oh boy he was on a bunch of different teams i don't think he was that good I'm just curious if you ever served in the military or if you just uh, no he's just a rich guy who is good at a game um yeah. from and the left uh coast. what from the left coast from the well you know what he was born in brooklyn no but he's up he's on the left coast now oh, wait a second no he was born in hollywood his parents are from brooklyn yeah. sorry about los that. angeles yeah look i have no use for him uh what a horrible thing and that it's being embraced and applauded it's um uh, it's really it's really sad i wish there was some leadership you know who i wish was still around roger oh. ailes remember him Yes, I do. Man, oh man, oh man. The conscience of a country. Now, we got some great media people out there. Newsmax, we're, I'm just so proud to be a part of it. And, uh, and Mr. Ruddy, genius and a visionary, and I'm sure that he would tell you that, you know, Ailes just, oh gosh, he was a major, major uh, source of leadership, energy. He was just great, and he could... Uh, navigate all this stuff and um, we're there too but man the country is a little bit lost without him all right thanks for bringing that to my attention you have any thoughts on it other than the obvious 
Well, Greg, I just want to take the time on Memorial Day to thank um, my loved ones for serving so I can have American flags in front of my house. The, the American flag does not represent violence. The American flag represents to me on Memorial Day. In my town, we would march down the street to um, an end uh, with the American flags, and then the veterans would make a speech, and then we'd all run to the local pool, get a pool tag, and stand, and we could all go swimming in the month of June till school ended and ride our bikes up there and not worry about predators and craziness. Things have changed. Things have changed. But you know what? Things can change again, and I think they will. Gail, thank you. i got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Bye-bye. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, I'm told it was technical difficulties. Uh, hmm. Did somebody just go to the lunchroom and forget about me? That's okay. That happens. That does happen. Um, Because you can listen to the radio station anywhere in the station, and then uh, all of a sudden you realize, oh, i got to be back there, and uh, there can be a bit of a a lull. All right, before, a little bit earlier in the show, uh, by the way, yeah, the more I read about this Gabe Kapler, the less I like him, the San Francisco Giants guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but if you're not willing to pledge allegiance yes. uh, at, at the national pastime, I think you should be eliminated from baseball. There are no. plenty of people out there who could manage the Giants. And um, then maybe you should think about another country where you'd be perhaps more comfortable. All right. In the meantime, everybody heard about that bachelor party. So a soccer star in the U.K., like a David Beckham guy by the name of Andy Carroll, he's really, really good at soccer. I've never heard about him before, but he's, like, super famous in England. Is engaged to some girl. They've been dating for eight years. Too long, by the way. Um, they got three kids together, though. Anyway, they're engaged. They're going to get married in two weeks. However, everything's in jeopardy because he goes to the UAE, Dubai, for his bachelor party. And a couple of girls start taking pictures of him. By the way, he's dead asleep, and they're in bed with him. He's asleep, but they're kind of making kissy faces and taking pictures, and it's all over social media. The fiancé is very upset. The wedding might be called off. My advice to the woman is the fiancé, I would just let this one go. Don't push it. Uh, You got kids with him. I've seen you, and I've seen him, and I think he's got plenty of options. But anyway, I'm sorry. I just Jacqueline Carl sometimes gets really fired up or inspired by the stuff I say, and and she wants to weigh in. Jacqueline, are you there? Hello, Jacqueline. Yes, you're on the air. Anything right now? Uh, You you don't hear me? Sorry, Greg. Oh, we are having technical difficulties here. I can hear you just fine. But I will say what. Just say it. I can't. Okay. So this is a sports guy that went on this bachelorette or this bachelor weekend? Yes. Okay, listen. I, I hear what you're saying, but what would he do if when he got back from this thing, his wife was all over the internet with two guys and he was publicly humiliated? You think he'd let that go? Or Women are wired wife? differently. Women oh, are wired come. differently. <laughs> and by the way... um, yeah, women are wired differently. Okay. I just don't think that they, that they are. And, uh, yeah, I would. Uh, I don't think that's a realistic um, scenario. Oh, really? Okay. No, I don't. I like it. I like that you think that way because it's so naive. It's so naive. <laughs> <laughs> really? 
Well, I have heard of girls going to strip clubs, female strip clubs, during bachelor parties, bachelorette parties. That's an entirely different story, and I'm, I'm, I'm far more flexibility and open-mindedness there. All right, bye, everybody. i got to go.